episode of the Ever Black Podcast is brought to you by Death Wish Hot Rods and Customs. Check out their Instagram for all their new t-shirts, caps, beanies, cups, and the all-new Atomic Death lineup. Good brother, what's going on? Dude, I love your background. Everything looks awesome. Thank you. Thank you. It's all old nerdy shit and metal shit. <laughs> I love yours. How good is that? How is that big cult flag? Yeah, man. I mean, that is actually original from back in the day. It was given to me when I was a kid. Oh. So it's, and I've had it with me. It's like being a mainstay of my life, all my life, really. So it's always been on the wall wherever I've gone. That is so sick. Thanks, dude. Man. So how, okay, so how did you come to get that? Like, it was given to you. Was that like their stage prop? Like, well, it was, it sounds grander than it really was. What it was was that I was rehearsing in a band and the guy who owned the rehearsal studio yeah. when I was about 15, we bonded over the fact that we both liked the cult. And he said, and I think he'd, he was sort of of an age where he'd sort of, kind of grown out of it a bit and he was into different stuff heavier stuff but i was still like oh my god and so he had that and he gave it to me and i think it was his like benevolent thing of like giving this to someone who he recognized as a co-fan but who would appreciate it more than he did and i do appreciate it because i've still got it thank you simon yeah how good is that hey i think everyone in music has got to do that that part pay it forward and yeah yeah totally nice. yeah yeah you know, i had a had a dude andrew years ago Gave me a copy of uh, Anthrax, Persistence of Time on vinyl. That was my, you know, like, you got to do it, eh? <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. And you're absolutely right. That sort of passing on the torch to, yeah. to someone else who's so so vibed and excited about, about the music. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Well, man, it's awesome you could join us on the show. Thanks for hanging out. Of course, man. Thank you for taking the time. And I appreciate, especially for you, that it's the evening. So um, oh, to no, you to good. be taking, taking your evening doing something, doing work stuff, I appreciate it. No, no, no. I I would much, much rather do, do this now <laughs> than like the early morning ones. We get. Well, like, of course, it's a, a metal time now, isn't it? So. <laughs> it is. Hey, I'm having a cup of Priest and uh, <laughs> it's just Pepsi Max. But um, dude, dude, what's what's on that cup? Yeah, you know that Dude, one. This, you're not going to believe this, man, but my fucking um, coaster for my coffee cup. Yeah. Oh! <laughs> how's that? Dude, that is unbelievable. Mate, I think... <laughs> did we just become best friends? I think we yep. just did. <laughs> <laughs> well, of course, man. Uh, Sisters of Mercy are coming back to Australia in October, and it's looking like a massive, massive tour, which uh, we all need right now. We really need yeah, yeah. this stuff happening. Uh, last time we saw you guys was in 2019. And uh, man, it's cool we're seeing you guys again so quickly. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's great to be back. And it's it's really bizarre um, that given that the band didn't even go to Australia until 2012. Yeah. Um, and suddenly we're coming back all the time, which is, which is ace. And um, I think it's... It's really nice to be there and see people's excitement of, wow, we never thought you guys would, would come out here and, and play. 
Um, and for my, my limited understanding of what it's like to be a musician in Australia and a music fan in Australia with alternative music, it's quite hard because you guys are quite isolated. So often bands won't come through because they can't afford to, and often bands can't break out of the country because they can't afford to. So it's, um, I think it's really nice to be able to be in a position where we can actually come over and, and, and be part of, of you guys' passion for, for alternative music. See, yeah, it, and it's a long flight for anyone. You know, I say we're on the arse end of the world. So anyone <laughs> that's above that, it's just, it's a big drop. It's a, we're right down here. So we appreciate it when anyone makes that effort to uh, come down and, and see us, of course. You've been, I mean, what was the last tour like for you? Was it, was it a good, I mean, it was right before things went nuts. Yeah, isn't it funny that you just couldn't predict or see anything like that coming? Um, and at the time, if you'd said to us, hey, so in a few months' time, there's going to be this worldwide pandemic where you go into lockdown and you can't leave your house for two years. You'd be like, what, is this a sci-fi movie? Wait, yeah, yeah. you're joking, right? Um, but it was a great tour, I remember. I think, I don't know if... Because the one before was the Soundwave Festival, touring Soundwave Festival. So I think as much as I loved that, it's nicer to be doing your own shows. Um, although that Soundwave Festival was absolutely amazing. And I, I actually met bands that I love who were playing it too, that I was able to then approach on a kind of even keel and go, hey guys, so we're playing this too. I'd like, it, you know, it's cool to meet you. And then you were like, yeah, man. And so there were, that was the really cool thing about Soundwave. And also you'd be getting, because everyone would be getting on the same flights to fly from one, sh one show to the next. So you'd be like queuing up with the guys from like Blink-182 and Machine Head. It's like, okay, so they're getting on the plane too. Cool. I see, you know, I see the, um, see the, the singer of Blink-182 has decided he's going to get some grapes. You know, it's like really like normal stuff because everybody had to be on the same flight. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, that last tour was really good, and um, and it was the usual the usual five towns plus Auckland in, in New Zealand, and uh, it was nice to be playing our own shows and headline shows. And all, of course, a big part of it was that it was Dylan Smith's, the Australian guitarist. It was one of his first bunch of shows with the band, and for him, I think going back to Oz and playing in venues where he'd only as a kid imagined that one day he might might play was a big deal for him. That that's right, and of course the the venue you're playing up here in Brisbane is awesome. Like it's only fairly new, but it's like the Fortitude Valley Music Hall. I don't know if you heard about it, but man, it's it's I can't wait. I haven't seen a band in there yet, but everyone that said that they've seen bands, they said it's just the 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 best. So I think it's going to be awesome seeing you guys there for sure. Yeah, man. Like. Super excited, <laughs> but I mean, cool, man. of course, I mean you're, you're a busy dude outside of Sisters of Mercy as well. I mean, you juggle a lot of things, dude. Like, every time I see, it's like you're, you know, you're jamming with uh, Ricky Warwick or you jam with these cats. Like when that all happened over the last couple of years, I mean, did that have to? Did you have to reconstruct everything in your life? Like what happened for you personally? Well, we're so lucky with the internet now that we can still be in constant contact with, with other musicians. And what it actually meant was that in some ways it was an opportunity mm. because I was able to get in contact with people in bands that I respect and admire and maybe some of whom were even my heroes and say to them, hey, listen, I know you're probably not really doing anything, so do you want to do something? 
And it then led to some collaborations, online collaborations with some artists. Um, so for example, I, I wrote and performed a couple of tracks with a band called Lord of the Lost, who are a, a yeah. big sort of German, German industrial band. So there's a couple of tracks on their record that, that they brought out last year that I co-wrote and one that I even sang on. And that I don't know if that would have happened necessarily if there hadn't been the pandemic because there wouldn't have been that downtime where people are like, right, we've got to create, we've got to do stuff. I've also been working on a collaboration with some people in some like really, really big established bands doing a cover of one of my favorite songs. Um, and I can't release any information about oh, it yet. Come on, mate. We're mates. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> but I've been, you know, we, we started working on that and I was able to approach these musicians and say, look, do you want to do this thing? And because they were all, you know, hungry to be creative and do stuff, they were like jumped on the chance. And so it's led to things like that. And I wrote a lot of music, wrote a lot for the sisters, wrote a lot for other artists, um, a lot of which didn't get used. But that's the nature of it, isn't it? You, if you write loads of stuff and you do loads of stuff, then just by a numbers game, some of it will make it through. And some stuff that I'm really happy with. Um, but it was it was tricky as well. And I only... In hindsight, I realized how much playing live music is important to me and, and to my, my sense of well-being, of getting out and doing it, because I felt like there was certainly a time last year where I was started to really like drink too much alcohol, because I think part of the response that you get from drinking is a high and the endorphins of like feeling excited about stuff that I wasn't getting from playing live because I wasn't playing live. Yeah. Um, to a point where, and I, I, I think maybe this is this is quite a common thing that happened to 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 people was that to a certain like last year my drinking actually got out of control to the point where I quit and I've now been sober for nine months. Oh, congrats! Um, thank you. And in some ways, I'm thankful that that happened because now my life is so much better because I'm sober. Uh, even though I wasn't, I never drank on stage or in the studio or anything. I would drink afterwards, and I'd suffer with like big hangovers and anxiety and stuff. And now, what's happened is because being in the lockdown of the pandemic drove me to that point where I was drinking too much to kind of hit a rock bottom. It allowed me to have the freedom to be how I am now, which is the, you know, this is the happiest I've ever been. Oh, that's awesome to hear, man. It's weird how the, like that it was like how it really it happened like that. Like I know how it really affected a lot of people negatively and my heart yeah. goes out to them, but there's some other people that it gave them the chance to, you know, start fresh, hit the reset button like myself as well. Like man, just in a different, obviously insane times, but I am glad now that we're sort of, we're all pushing forward and, and working together to play, go see bands again and play live again and, and experience it. I, I guess I don't know about you, man, but I, I appreciate it so much more playing shows now than what I did. Like, yeah, man, because it's been taken away from us. And what was really interesting was that this year I've been out on the road since February up until the start of June. And over the course of that time, retrospectively, I can look back and go, oh, my God, things changed so much in those four months in terms of the impact that the pandemic was having on our ability to do shows. Right at the start, there was question marks over, can I even go and do rehearsals with people in my band? Can I even do that? 
and can I get to another country because I might test positive before we get on the plane? Yeah. And are the shows going to happen? Are the shows going to get cancelled? And as we went through the year, we saw things falling away to the point where the last few shows we played on the Sisters Tour, no one was even thinking or talking about COVID at all. And, and there were no real signs of it in the, in, in, in the building or in the, in the festival site. Or It's awesome. like, hang on, let's really appreciate this. We might be sitting backstage going, oh, okay, blah, blah, blah. but no, we're doing a show. We're out. We're playing. This is That's amazing. <laughs> Man, well, of course, I mean, you were born the, the same year the band was formed. So, you know, you probably told this story a million times, but how did you actually get that call? How did that link up? Because I know, you know, you had the punk roots and, and your, your 80s roots that you loved, but how did it happen? Well, I was a fan of the Sisters of Mercy in as much as I think they were like in my top 25 bands. I wasn't an avid follower, but certain songs by the band were in my top songs of all time. Uh, when You Don't See Me, Temple of Love, More, uh, Ribbons and stuff. Like some of these songs, I was like, wow, these are, my, these are in my top songs of all time. Yeah, yeah. So, but, but when I got the call, I was, it was an anonymous phone call. So the guy wouldn't tell me who the band was or who he was, uh, but come to an audition. And I was obviously very sceptical. I was like, what the fuck's this? Yeah. Um, <laughs> but a few musician friends that I spoke to at the time who had more experience than me said, sometimes if it's an established band, they want to be quite secretive about the audition process because they don't really want the worry out that the, um, the lineup is changing until they can officially yeah. present a new lineup. Partially because then it might throw a shadow over an upcoming tour. Because people might be like, are the band even going to do this tour if they don't have this member or whatever? Um, so it was very shady. And even when I went to the audition, I didn't know who I was auditioning for. The guy on the phone had said, well, we're kind of like a mixture of you 2 and Motorhead. Uh, bring some Hendrix riffs. Um, and so even when I walked in the room, I didn't recognize the guys. I hadn't been like a big follower of the band for the last few years. I didn't know who was in the lineup. And also a lot about how you recognize someone is context. Okay, I give you an example. A couple of years ago, I played in a band and we were on tour and in America. And this guy just wanders into this dressing room, this middle aged guy wearing black. I'm like, who's this bloke who's just walked in? And it took me a good 10 seconds to realize it's James Hetfield. <laughs> um, because I wasn't expecting James Hetfield to walk in. Yeah. <laughs> so it was all about context. If someone had said to me, James, because James Heffield's coming today, all day I'd be like looking at, is that James Heffield? Is that him? Is that him? Right. But because I didn't know, I just thought, who's this guy? So similarly, when I went into this room, it was just a bloke, it was, you know, a room of blokes. Um, and even then, no one was telling me what it was. The audition process was the other guitarist saying, okay, here's a riff. Can you play this? Here's a riff. Can you play this? I can't read music, but I'm very good at picking things up by ear. And in hindsight, I realized that the riffs they were playing me were all unrecorded works that they actually had in their life set. Mm. So they still had a sister's feel to them, even though I'd never heard them. So that made me go, is this possibly the Sisters of Mercy? And in order to test that theory, I then played a riff that I knew by the band, a famous riff, to see if anybody would react. And instantly, one of the guys went, that's one of our songs. Oh, and, wow. I, and I remember vividly, I remember vividly looking at my hands and my hands were shaking because I was suddenly so nervous. But it was okay because I'd had a good half an hour of just being like, who are these guys? I don't care, whatever, being relaxed. 
And in hindsight, I, re I realized that I'm actually quite grateful because I had no expectation. Um, whereas I know when Dylan auditioned for the band, he knew exactly what he was auditioning for. There were other people like lining up outside. The tension that he must have been under was very different from what I was under. Um, so that was sort of how it happened. And I just got a couple of a couple of days later, I got a call saying, yeah, we want you to do the band. And um, I, at the time I was just working in like a like a liquor store and just doing a few guitar lessons. So my life really, really changed over the course of a couple of months. That's awesome. I love hearing stories like that. Did you leave? Did you quit the job in a good way or did you just see you later? <laughs> oh, of course I did it in a good way. You know, um, I think, I think, it, I think it's important. I do think it's important that you yeah, always yeah. try and you always try and stay humble and respectful to the people that are you know, around you. Cause who knows that I might've had to go back to that job three months later because things didn't work out. So I think, I just think it's, and I, I always like to have a good, I always like to leave things in a, in a, in a positive way whenever I can. Um, and I got on quite well with the people there, you know, we didn't have a lot in common, but they were, they were nice and, and quite supportive of my music and that. So that's a good one. Yeah. Hey, that's some good advice. You didn't have to like, you know, crawl back through that little, you know, when Homer <laughs> goes back to the power plant, like, oh, yeah, that plant, uh, through there. And they've got to climb through the little, yeah. Yeah. yeah that that would have been me. I would have been demoted to, um, to purely flat packing cardboard boxes. You know, that would have been all I would be able to do. Um, so, yeah. That's awesome. And you mentioned writing, writing some sisters stuff. So, I mean, last album was like, what, over 30 years ago. You reckon we will get a fourth album at some stage or do you reckon it'll never? Well, there's, there's certainly enough songs for it. Um, and I think my go-to line on this question, because as you can imagine, I get it a lot. Oh, is, yeah, sorry. <laughs> no, it's, it's all right. It's, it's, a, it's a very valid question. It's one that I would be asking if, 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 if I was in, in anybody's yeah. shoes who was interviewing the band. Um, my go-to answer on this is that there's no plans to record a record, but there's no plans not to record a record. So that's my kind of uh, very pol politician <laughs> response. I love it. I love it. I mean the band has got a massive fan base that's, you know, generational now. And you're probably seeing that come through and it's not just them. It's like, dude, it's like Simon Pegg, <laughs> like the great Simon, who's, uh, you can't see him. He's up on my shelf up there. Um, but uh, man, he's come to shows and stuff too. You're probably seeing all kinds of people walk through, you know, it must blow your mind. Yeah. It's a really odd thing about this band is that more so with any other band I've ever been, been involved in there always seems to be like one degree of separation between myself and sister mercy at, at, the, at the most one so it'll be something like um my like my auntie will say oh my hairdresser loves you guys or <laughs> you know it'll be some weird like there's always somebody somewhere one degree of separation who is a fan of the band and i think um it's it's a testament to the fact that it's not just a, the band is not just part of a subculture of alternative music, that something about the band's lyrics and the band's pop sensibilities yeah. has allowed the band to break out of, of being part of an alternative subgenre while still retaining all the integrity of what it is to be part of an alternative subgenre. And I think that's very rare. And getting in a movie like The World's End of, you know, Simon's got the T-shirt the whole time. Yeah, and he's yeah, obviously... Yeah. He was obviously a fan as a kid. He's obviously recreating who he was as a teenager, you know, an aspect of it. 
as this character in that movie um, is, is a huge deal. Because I, I, I grew up watching Space. I think I'm a huge fan of, of, of Simon's work. So to be like, oh, my God, he's wearing a T-shirt, the band that I'm in, what, how, um, <laughs> is, is a big deal. And I guess one of the things that would be amazing for me was that if we ever did record a new album, that would then put me in a position where I genuinely feel that I could actually approach Simon and go, I hope you liked it. And he might say yes. And it might be like, I've created something that he likes. That would be amazing. That would be amazing. And talking about meeting heroes, uh, you know, the cult, I saw your, your, your photo with Ian. Man. Yeah. That would have been so sick. Dude, what was really cool about that was that um, we got chatting backstage and he said, oh, you know, come and watch us from the side of the stage. Amazing. <laughs> and they were doing the Sonic Tempo album in its entirety. The first song, Sun King, has got this really kind of atmospheric long intro. So he was stood at the side of the stage with me and Dylan just before he we went on. We were just like watching Billy and the rest of the band play the intro. And he's just stood there with his shades on, standing with us. And he just <laughs> it was like a fucking movie. He just stands there and it, just before he's supposed to go on, he goes, you know, man, it's a trip. And then he just walked, <laughs> leaving us with this line, it's a trip. And, uh, and it was perfect. It was like full on movie moment. And if you told me as a kid when I got that, that that would ever happen to me is insane. That I'd ever like say to me as a kid, hey, so listen, you know that band you love and well, called The Cult. And you know that band you love called The Sister Mercy. Well, one day you're going to be in The Sister Mercy talking to the singer of The Cult as he's about to walk on stage. Um, in Portugal. <laughs> so, I mean, that's pretty awesome. Man, that is incredible. And, uh, of course, I mean, what, what's the current status of, like, uh, Diamond Black and Night by Night and, uh, of course, Aiko? What's, what you, you've got lots of projects on the go in the background, man. Like, what's what's going on? Um, yeah, I mean, there's, there's a lot to unpack there, really. About I know, that. it's I, a loaded I, question. <laughs> Nev, I've just noticed I've actually, like, Chris has lined me up with another... Oh, sorry, buddy. Yeah, so I, I better head off and do that. Yeah. Hey, brother, thank you so so much for hanging out. We'll have all the links down here for all the tickets uh, for the Sisters of Mercy uh, tour coming up in October. Mate, thank you so yeah, much. Thank you. It was really nice talking to you. And I could have kept going for ages because your questions <laughs> are really good. And I, I think we're connecting on so much musically and there's a lot of shared experience there. So thank you, man. Really 100%. enjoyable. We'll do it again. Thanks, brother. Take care. Cheers, Dev. Bye. Yeah. Bye.